This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, party people. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 391, recorded on Monday the 3rd of September 2018, also known as the unofficial last day of summer. Labor Day. Labor Day, that's right. And here, It's a slightly different uh, hotel. It's a slightly different holiday here in Canada than it is in the, in the U.S. Well, because we spell it with a U. Oh, okay, you're right. But it is on the same day, and it's more yep. or less celebrating the same thing other than the U. That's right. Yeah. Well, it's the last day before school where we live. I know kids in other places, especially as you go south, start school a little bit earlier. But we are all going back to school tomorrow, and that's a big deal. And I am kind of feeling the end of summer blues or something like that right now. I, I don't want summer to end. It was a good summer. It was a good summer. I barbecued steaks for dinner. So uh, that kind of a last hurrah for the summer. That that does sound nice. And you last her off for summer and Labor Day, you had a good steak, and now it's back to real life tomorrow. Right. Well, that's how I'm feeling. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> that's okay. I'll get used to it. I'll swing into action tomorrow and everything will be fine. So have you uh, have you changed the podcast a little bit here? You said to, at, the, at the top here, you said, hey, there are party people. Are we only a podcast for party people now? <laughs> uh, we, no. we didn't talk about this. I didn't know that it was just for party people. No, no, no. We welcome all forms of people, party or otherwise. Okay, good, because I am not a party people. <laughs> and uh, I feel a little bit put out that uh, I can't even listen to my own podcast if it's just for party people. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to exclude you like that. No, party people are welcome as are non-party people. Okay. And yeah, so, all... okay, so if you're a member of a party, you can listen. And if you're not a member of a party, you can also listen. That's right. All other people are welcome as well. We are an equal opportunity party or otherwise podcast. Okay, good. Okay, phew. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. Thanks. And with that in mind, we're here to talk about the latest episode of Fear the Walking Dead. And uh, I think we just need to get right into it. So uh, I'm going to get going. Groovy. That episode's going to be weak. Thank you, Mo, from the number one knife town in Germany (laughs) for that title read. Oh, I got, I'm curious now. What what makes it the number one knife town? Are they, is that the most people get knifed there, or do they make the most knives? You know, Mo didn't clarify, so I really can't answer that question. In fact, I don't even know what the name of the town is, other than it's the number one knife town in Germany. Wow. That, I know. Curious. It, it could go either way. It could be a it really be good both. thing. It, it could be both. <laughs> if you're making the most knives, you may have the most problems with stabbings as well. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Right in and let us know what town is that and why. And and why. Yeah, exactly. So thanks, Mo, for the title read. So here we are, season four, episode 12. It is called Week. And Jason, I'm going to ask you straight off the bat, did it live up to the title or not? I kind of like this a little bit more than the last couple episodes. Okay, that's good. That's good. I was hoping the season would take a turn, you know, upswing. As we got into the second half of the second half of the season, also known as the final quarter. Um, (laughs) But I am, I don't know if I completely agree with you on this one. I kind of liked last week's a little bit more. And this week, I, there were some things I liked about it, but 
I, I felt overall a little bit disappointed again. So that's, that's kind of a bummer for me. Well, we had more characters in this one, hap- you know, more things happening, more characters that they happened to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, we had battery issues. We had vehicle issues. We had uh, being held at gunpoint issues. Yeah. You know, shit happened. The only thing that disappointed me the most was that uh, they just completely glossed over the storm. Like, that was it. There was It started after the storm ended. It like, did. Well, well, then this, the whole picture of the, this episode... On iTunes is a picture of a storm. The poster was all about a storm. Yeah. Tell me about the storm. I know. I, I kind of, I, I, that bothers me a little bit too, that, that we've glossed over the storm so much. And I know we saw it, uh, but we saw the storm from the inside of a cabin when it was Alicia and Charlie. We saw Morgan get into the back of a truck the other week when the storm was on and then wake up 600 miles away, no storm. And yeah, I, I kind of wanted to see how these characters would survive this extreme weather, not kind of just get through it and, you know, see what happens to them after. Not that that couldn't be interesting, but I feel like we could have had both. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, and I agree. Yeah, and and we haven't gotten that. So uh, I I wanted to mention, though, that this episode was directed by Coleman Domingo, who, of course, Mm. plays Strand. So... Uh, I don't know if you were aware of that, but he was the director. Well, that's good. Yeah. Good for him. I know. He's not in it. He hasn't been on the show in a little while, but he's directing anyways. Cutting your teeth on uh, on directing in television shows is just a way to do it. Like you, you show up when the machine is already rolling, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about uh, the, the prop department or uh, the wardrobe department getting them spun up and, you know, Organized, they just show up and they, uh, you know, they look at you and go, "Okay, this character tends to wear this kind of stuff, and they've been wearing this stuff for like the last four four episodes. Do you want them to wear this stuff? Yes. <laughs> All right, good directing. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a little more to it than that. But. No, but that's just a, you know, basically you yeah. show up and uh, the machine is already rolling, and then you work on the, the what shows up on the screen. Yeah, but uh, it's not as crazy as like spinning up a whole movie. No, you're, I guess you're right. I mean, you, you sort of come in and you have a, a framework that you're already working within, right? And you just have yeah. to apply your particular set of skills to that existing framework. Right. Like in movies, the director's in charge. In TV, the showrunner's in charge. Director's but, part of the crew. Yeah, director's part of the crew. Still an important part of that crew, obviously. Very important part of the crew, but, you know, not in charge. Right, okay. Well, Coleman Domingo was the director, and I think overall the directing on this episode, it I kind of was paying attention to it a little bit more, knowing that Coleman was, was the man behind the camera in this case. And I think he did a pretty good job overall with the directing. There was some stuff about this episode that um, I really liked. Uh, we got a lot of... Um, uh, well, we got some things we don't really see that much on the show. I noticed a bunch of fades between scenes on fades to black, which I don't feel like we see on this show or, or either Walking Dead show, really. I liked some of the shots inside Al's truck. They were sort of long shots of the entire interior of the truck. Uh, yep. When, when um, June was in there searching for the medicine, I enjoyed that. Um, and at the beginning, um, in the cold open, which is actually one of the parts of this episode that I really liked, we got uh, a sort of a nice single shot montage of the two of them uh, running out of supplies and coming in and out 
Um, and I thought that worked really well. So yeah, I know those are some of those things are director of photography type things and stuff, but it's, it all comes down to directing as well. So I think, I think he did a good job directing. Uh, I wouldn't say it was better than anybody else who's done it, but it certainly wasn't worse. And it was fine. Like it was, it was pretty good. So I'm happy about that. Good. I'm happy that you're happy. Right. Um, but overall I thought it was a pretty lackluster episode again. Um, and I mean, I'm starting to feel like that might actually be a compliment for this, for this half of the season, which really upsets me. Um, but, but there was so much, uh, you know, you were running through everything we got. We got, you know, what did you say? Battery trouble, gunpoint trouble, the vehicle trouble, whatever. Yeah. We also got a parade of, of stupid decisions and, um, just people, you know, confusing, somewhat confusing plot in my, in my case, in my, uh, the way I saw it and, and stuff like that. So, you know, yes, we had more characters, but I'm like, what are they doing? Why are we, why are we here? Where is everybody? Like, you know, I just, I, I'm just not finding myself able to get on board in any meaningful way with the back half of season four. Yeah, it's, I'm concerned that this show is becoming even more inconsistent than it has been in the past. Uh, you know, episodes are are excellent. In the first half of the season, uh, the, some of the episodes were 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 great, mm-hmm. and then now we have uh, we have this, and right. we have. Well, the next one should be better because uh, it has uh, uh, Garrett Dillahunt. We're back in to it. back this to John Dory. Started with it. I'm like, oh my god, he's in it. This is the oh, it's just a recording of him. Yeah, I was so excited for half a second there. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I knew it was a recording instantly because it was the four by three aspect ratio. Uh, so he wasn't tech. He wasn't really in it, even though technically he was on screen. Did sure you watch? Thing, smart guy. Did, four by three. Yeah. Did you watch the preview for next week? Is that how you know he's? Coming up next no, week? Well, what, what, no, I didn't watch that. I don't watch previews, but okay. what choice do they have? Right. Well, I'm pretty sure in this case, he it is actually about him and Strand. Uh, I would, would be surprised if Morgan doesn't show up as well, but I'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, overall, just a little bit of a, another lackluster episode for me, mostly in my opinion about June um, and sort of her coming to terms with being part of this group and kind of being in love with John Dory and, you know, struggling with being separated from him, uh, which I'm all fine with. Like that's, that's interesting ground or topic to explore. Um, but, it, but a lot of the rest of it just didn't really do it for me. So um, if we can start though with the cold open, like I said, I really actually liked the cold open. I liked that montage they did where they're stuck in Al's truck, they're running out of supplies And, um, it just, for me, it set them up really well as being stranded somewhere. You know, they couldn't leave, they couldn't move. I think June mentions that they've got to go. They can, they have to stop just going as far as they can walk and then coming back. Like they have to leave for good and like make a decision or they're just going to starve to death there pretty much. So, so I, I think that was done really well. Um, and I felt like, okay, they are stranded and they're being forced into making a decision here of what they're going to do. That being said, I don't understand why June and Al don't seem to know how to get back to where the bus on the bridge was. 
right? Like they drove from there out to where they are. And they have a map. And they have a map and they're stuck. And I, I get it that they don't think they can walk back because maybe that's too far. But later in the episode, they get in a car and there's, there's no obvious indication to me that their first thought would be go back to where the last place we saw everybody is. They're not doing that. They're trying to track down the source of whoever's on the other end of the walkie-talkie. But even before they sort of come up with that idea, I don't understand why they're not more concerned with getting back to that specific location and not just reuniting with all the other characters. You know what I mean? Like, I, Well, I hadn't thought of that, but shit, yeah. Like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing, people? Like, I get, I, I get it. They're, they're acting like victims. They're acting like, uh, you know, when you get lost in the woods, you sit your ass down. You don't start wandering around because that just makes it harder for somebody to find you. But they're acting like they are the ones that are lost instead of they are the ones that need to get back to where everybody else is. Because that just makes perfect sense. We were all over there. Now we're all scattered all over the place. Why don't we just go back over there? Or maybe everybody else will go back over there. Right. I mean, you don't. it's one of those things where, you know, have a meeting point. If you have a group and you get separated, always have a meeting point. When you're, when you're walking around the mall with your kids... If the kids get lost, have a meeting point. Everyone can go yep. back to there. Or if the kids are really young and they don't know how to get back there and, you know, a a mall employee finds them and is helping them, they can say, I was told to meet my mommy in front of the gap. And like they can help them with that, you know? Yeah. Um, this group doesn't seem to have that. No one seems to be going back to their meeting point. Um, they're all doing this, this weird thing where, you know, Morgan got so far away He's coming back. Fine. Fair enough. You know, now he's back in the neighborhood. I still don't understand why he's like, meet at this mile 42 or whatever it was, or 27. I think it was 27. Just yep. go back to the bridge where the bus is, where you were living. I mean, that's where the people are going to most obviously be if they ever left at all. So it just bothered me that June and uh, Al are in this truck. And I get it that they didn't think they could leave. But once they do get a car and are mobile, they're not going back there immediately. It just didn't make any sense to me. So, right. I live uh, I live within ten kilometers of a nuclear power plant. You bet your ass we have a meeting point that's somewhere just outside of the fifty kilometer minimum safe zone. <laughs> Why? So when that when when word comes over the radio that the plant is about to explode, you can get in your car and head there. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Good. That's exactly it. If we're scattered all over Hell's Half Acre. I'm here and my wife's at work or I'm out someplace else and the sirens go off uh, instead of trying to figure out how to get home and then going to a safe place. You just get, hit the road, mm -hmm. get to the safe, get to the meeting point. Saves time for sure. Just do it. Yeah. Just go. Well, there you go. So uh, that bothered me. Um, like I said earlier, I think this episode was primarily about June and her kind of state of mind it there was there was some character development with al here as well but mostly Not really be, well mostly because <laughs> she just kind of stuck to her guns and didn't change her mind at all except for maybe a little bit at the end temporarily the one decision al made later on in this episode i don't understand but i i'll get to that in in a minute um i was i was gonna say about june you know she's there and She's trying to come to, to terms with the idea that she, you know, is better off with this group of people, whereas she's 
kind of been alone for a long time before meeting them, it seems. And she says to herself, I mean, she's talking under the walkie talkie, but she says, when, you know, when the going gets tough, I run away. And throughout this episode, it occurred to me that she's the one who's kind of being strong and pushing forward. And she's doing everything she can to help Althea who gets sick and is, you know, single-minded in her focus to get her van back, as they call it. Yeah. I prefer to call it a truck because it really doesn't feel like a van to me, but they said van like 40 times in this episode. So we're going to have to go with van, I guess. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, well, it's it's kind of both, I would say. Well, I don't want to argue over the semantics, but to me, that's a truck, not a van. And whatever. I guess everyone has a different take I'm on it. I'm looking it up. Of course you Go are. Ahead. Of course. Uh, anyways, that's just, that's sort of how I felt about June in this episode. And I like to see that. Like, I really, really want to see her get back now with John Dory and for them to live happily ever after. Like, I, I kind of always wanted that because of how much I like John. Uh, right. But But seeing her feel that way, I thought was pretty satisfying. And I hope it works out. But, you know, this is The Walking Dead, Jason, so if there's one thing I can count on, it's um, uh, misery. <laughs> so yep. one of them probably is going to die. I, I don't agree. Well, no. I, don't, I don't want that. To, I don't want to agree. Right, but you might. You might agree. Well, I might have to accept it, but uh, – and it could have – I'm not going to say that it's not going to happen, but I just don't want it to happen. No, I agree. I don't want it to happen either. I want them to get back together and move back into that cabin and everything will be a-okay well, that, for them. That's not going to happen, but I think I think they're going to be miserable together oh, rather okay. than miserable apart. All right. Well, you know what? Take what you can get, I suppose. Be miserable yeah. together. Yeah, I've been in relationships where we were miserable together. It was great. And it worked out for a little while. <laughs> it did. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Um and then what do you think about her encounter with this Quinn guy who who shows up and puts a gun to her head and is all macho and aggressive at first, but then turns out to be kind of a, a wimp and ultimately is just as when you find out he's a nice guy, he gets eaten. What do you think about that guy? Uh, I think he was the Nikki and Paolo of this half a season. Man, can they come up like every podcast we do? I think I've mentioned them last week too. They probably could, but he, the only reason he showed up was so that he would die and become important a little bit later. Yeah, he would. Um, I, my first t reading on that guy was, boy, he was awfully aggressive at first, but then when she turned the tables on him, he became like a wimpy little pussycat. Yeah, and, wouldn't you? And so I was sort of thinking, like, where's where does his real character fall? Like, which one of those characters is he actually? Or, I mean, is he somewhere in between? Uh, he's somewhere else, because I don't think that uh, someone who's holding a gun to someone else is going to let their true character show. And I don't think when, the, when you have a, when you're staring down the barrel of a gun, somebody who's mad at you, uh, I don't think that's going to be your true character either. I think that uh, mm -hmm. you know you're gonna you're gonna put on a persona like holding a gun that's loaded and holding it at somebody makes you feel different than you do in everyday life. I have to assume I've never done that, but I have to assume that it's got to make you feel at the very least different. Right? You know, yeah, yeah, you're probably right about that. I mean, 
you've held loaded weapons. I never have, so. Yeah, and having one held on you also never have happened. I would definitely feel different, and I would most definitely feel wetter. <laughs> wetter? <laughs> yeah, I would pee my pants right then and there. All right. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, well, um, I wasn't sure about Quinn, and but he was all over the place, you know? By the end of that episode, when he gets back on the walkie-talkie, when June is, is talking to him and saying, you know what? Everything will be fine. You could join us. I won't tell them that you're just a one-dimensional guy who held a gun to my head, and, you know, we won't tell them that I did that to you as well, and, and you can join us. Uh, and then he gets eaten. So you're, I, I was sort of, I sort of felt like we were made to actually appreciate this guy momentarily before he becomes zombie food. Um, but, but earlier in the episode, I think that when it feels like when he's being all aggressive, it sort of feels like he's lost all of his hope and we find out he's stealing trucks and he has no faith left in other people. It sort of, for me, was important for June because I think it strengthened her new attitude that she can work with other people, right? It, that's true. You know, it, it it showed her that this guy, yes, he did something bad, um, but I'll still welcome him into the fold. And, you know, I'm not going to just run away from this guy because he, you know, we got off on the wrong foot. So I think it kind of worked for, for June's character a little bit there and... I got to admit, I was sort of disappointed that he got eaten so quickly at the end. I found, weirdly, I found more to like in that character than I have so far in Wendell and Sarah. And they've been, they've had a lot more screen time. Yeah, I would agree with uh, that. You know, they seem like they're just still hanging around kind of for comic relief. Yeah, they're they're very comic-y relief-y. Yeah. Um, so... The episode worked okay for me for June, for Al. Um, you know, her sickness seemed awfully convenient. for and quick. For stories. She was fine by the end of the episode. Yeah, she recovered strangely quickly. I mean, you pop one pill and then you're you're fine. <laughs> yeah, well, better living through chemistry, right? That's what happens is you, you know, you get sick, you pop a pill, you're right as rain. Right as rain. Yeah. Well, that didn't ring true to me at all. And just having her be sick in for any reason just felt like we needed we needed her to become vulnerable so that she'd have, you know, she'd come have a close call with that zombie that came out of the mud, which incidentally I thought was kind of cool the way he tore his leg off and then crawled over, you know. Thought that was yeah. an okay zombie. It was okay. Yeah. Uh, but just being sick and, and, and then forcing, uh, forcing June to have to go off to find the medicine, which never really existed. It was all just one of those story contrivances that I just feel like there could have been a better way to, to do it, even though I don't know what that is, but you know, you know, you know that feeling it's like, it doesn't quite work, but yeah, it's maybe not the worst thing. Yeah. It, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. It's like, doing something not because it makes sense for the character or makes sense because of what's going on. It makes sense because that's what the script says makes sense. Yeah. And I think you've said that, that before that it's like, we're doing this because that's what they wrote. That's <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, she did, Al did speak a bit about though, uh, capturing the stories of all the people she's encountered and how she's, 
uh, you know, she, she loves the people that she's met, but I think her line at some point is something like when you spend all of your time collecting other people's stories, you kind of don't have your own. And I couldn't help but think to myself, yeah, you really don't, <laughs> which is a bit of a problem I'm having with Althea right now. I don't feel like there's much going on there. Right? Yeah, she's more of a collection of things than uh, an actual personality. She's there, like her truck is important. Yep. And, I, and her camera is important. But her, we don't know anything about her other than she's follow she's looking for other people's stories so i feel I like i told you about uh i told you about my Shadowrun character right do you remember uh i was telling you about you could put uh, different priorities into different things uh you could put priorities into stats you could put priority into your priority skills and if you know your priority you get the most amount of something in that the uh, the thing i bought i did one time was put the most priority in money uh-huh. And I got a million new yen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with that million new yen, I bought a uh, an assault vehicle. And that was my entire character. Like I didn't, I couldn't afford anything else. I had really crappy stats, really crappy skills, no money, and an assault vehicle. And that was my entire character. Well, that's Al and for that, you. Exactly. That's, she spent all of her skill building stats on the vehicle. And uh, that's it. That, yeah. You know, she's got nothing else to, you know, present to the group anymore except for this vehicle. And if you lose the vehicle, well, what good are you? None. So she can't lose the vehicle. She knows that. Uh-huh. And, and that's, I felt, I felt that in this episode. The vehicle, she was separated from her vehicle and there's not much left there. And I started thinking, you know, her, she, she probably won't survive the season and her legacy is going to be kind of the the idea that you can't forget the past, right? I think they're going to learn from her that collecting those stories was important, although the important thing is just not forgetting what you've been through with other people, not forgetting the past, and making sure that you learn from it. Not because Al herself did anything really impressive or anything to really help the group. It was just about, you know, learning that lesson from her. And I guess that's important, but it won't be important until she's gone. Right. Right. My father-in-law is a painter, uh, not, not, not by profession. He, he was an engineer by profession, but he paints on the side. And over the years, he's done hundreds of paintings that are in my house and his house and yeah. other people's houses all over the world. Uh, and sometimes people tell him, you should exhibit your art. You should get it out there. You should let people see it. You should maybe even sell some of it. You could, you never know. And he says, I'm not interested in that. I don't, I paint for enjoyment. I don't want to be famous. If I am, it'll be after I die and you guys can reap the rewards from it. Nice. <laughs> and I'm like, well, thanks. And his daughter, doesn't, <laughs> his daughter doesn't like to hear that, but um he he said it a few times, but that's what I feel like Al's doing here. She's not, she's doing something that for her is important, but it won't become important to anyone else until after she's gone. Right. And I well, guess that in and of itself is an important thing anyways. Well, having a legacy is uh, an important thing, but, uh, you know, you also have to contribute to the lives of the people around you while you're alive. 
it, it, it is nice to do that. Yeah, it is. Um, so if anyone out there has some thoughts on how Al is contributing currently, I would like to hear them because I, <laughs> I'm not seeing it very much. Uh, she got sick. And she Wasn't has a, helping. And she's Didn't got that a cool help truck. June, uh, you know, realize her character a little bit more. Uh, well, yes, it did, but that's uh, that's kind of an indirect sort of. <laughs> yeah, not uh, on purpose. Not on purpose. That's right. Well, some people get sick on purpose, right? You know, mm-hmm. usually when my wife gets sick, I I accuse her of getting sick just for uh, dramatic effect, and not because she's actually sick. It's like you're doing this on purpose just because you want to, you know, get attention or something. I'm sure she loves that. I I don't do that. It's never happened. I'd never do that. <laughs> no, because you probably wouldn't. You know. <laughs> still be married happily that'd make me an asshole of the highest order oh well come on i can think of bigger asshole things to do but definitely a few steps up from where you are now right okay (laughs) just a couple steps yeah yeah um what did you think of her fight with the uh with the swamp or the mud zombie and how she pushes it under the car and then kicks the jack off so it lands on its head tell me what you thought of that you really just said jack off um so, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't find it tense. I didn't, I knew that she wasn't going to die from the zombie. I didn't feel like she was in peril. I didn't, I rarely feel that anybody's in peril. And when they do die, I don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Generally speaking. Yeah. I know that. Entertainment, like fun. I was pretty meh on the whole thing. Yeah. That's how I felt. I think I was pretty meh. I, you know, it's, uh, it's like, okay, we got a few minutes of fight scene. I have to endure this until we can get back to uh, the story. Yeah. It it struck me as one of those things, again, where they felt like, well, we need a new way to kill a zombie, so let's jack up a car and then let it drop on its head. And well, that's no joke. I mean, jacking up a car is a serious, uh, is a serious thing, and then uh, you have to be careful because, you know, call, cars fall on people and they kill them on a well, regular basis. Well, I don't know how often that happens, but I mean, I'm, it that is... happens with vending machines. Vending machines falling on people. I know. People ben. strap themselves to the underside of cars in order to hear the ticking that the car is making at, at 50 miles an hour so that the car can go 50 miles an hour and they could be underneath the car. That has happened. People yeah. are stupid. Well, you know, people are stupid. Uh, be careful people yeah don't don't do that i know vending machines kill more people than sharks every year which i actually don't find that hard to believe knowing what i know about vending machines and about the idiocy of the human race and sharks (laughs) and sharks yeah yeah uh i have some experience with vending machines and i could tell you some stories but oh i would like to hear those stories i have zero experience with sharks right except i saw one in a fish tank once yeah that's about my experience with sharks too but, yeah, I thought the scene was uh, a little bit silly. I mean, one minute she is, like, almost passed out on the ground, you know, no energy, throwing up. And I guess the adrenaline kicks in when a zombie's on top of you and you can push it under a car and then kick kick a car off a jack. I'm not even sure how easy that would be, to be honest with you. But It depends on how crappy you were at getting the car onto the jack. I suppose, Like, if yeah. you really kind of put it in a weak spot in the car and your ground wasn't that even... And it was rocky. Uh, yeah, you could really, it could really be dangerous. Well, maybe, but anyways, that's that. But let me ask you this. So here's the thing that I also, the biggest problem I had with all of this. After June comes back and she's given her the medicine and then they, they hear from Morgan on the radio. So June wants to immediately 
get in and drive the other way and try to find Morgan. Al's first, her first decision is no, I'm staying. I'm not leaving my truck. I'm going to go back to the truck, even though I can't drive it because there's no fuel. I can't lose the vehicle. And so momentarily they agree to go their separate ways and June starts driving off down the road. But all of a sudden, like seconds after that decision, Al fires a couple shots into the air. June stops. She comes back and they get in the truck and drive off together. No explanation. I didn't I didn't understand her motivation for making one decision and then immediately making the other decision. Other, The only thing I can think of is as she started to walk away, she's like, "Uh oh, I'm alone. Maybe I shouldn't be alone. Yeah. You've never had that where you make a decision and then like four seconds later, later you're saying, oh, I've made a huge mistake. Well, I, I, I probably. And then you fire a couple of shots off into the air. Yeah, yeah. And signal my friend back. But no, I probably, but it didn't make sense in this context. Like, I I kind of expected her to go back to the truck all along, even whatever June was going to do. And I thought my my first thought was, OK, that makes sense. Her tapes are there. Her tapes are the most important thing to her. We know that. And like, that's where she keeps all her stuff. So go back to the truck. And I thought it was going to be a situation where like, I'll go back to the truck, try to protect it, make sure it's safe. You find Morgan. It's only 50 miles away. When you do find Morgan, turn around and come get me. Like, I I thought that's what we were going for or something like that. But no, she makes a decision. Three seconds later, changes her mind, comes back in, and then makes that goofy line about, I would have walkied you, but the batteries are out, you know? Right. It, yeah, because, you know, battery was a theme of this episode. It was. Uh, I just, yeah. Well, I, the whole thing doesn't make any sense to me. Like, uh, you can probably find another truck, but how rare, rare is it that uh, that you find a friend? That's a really good point. your friends and get another fucking truck later. Well, yeah, or come back for the truck or something, but like I I get the importance of the truck and I get the importance of the friend and finding the other people. I think they're both important, but I didn't see the point of that like mind-changing moment all of a sudden right there. Oh, that that's fine. I mean, everybody has panic mind-change points in their lives. It's like shit. I wish I could just undo the decision I just made and Boy, howdy, do I wish I never said what I just said, because that's usually how it goes for me. Hmm. I open my fucking mouth and I say something. It's like, nope, that was a mistake. Take that back. Fire two shots off in the air. Solve the problem. Huh. I If, if I'm going to regret something I've said, it's usually much later than immediately after I've said it. Most oh, of the, that's most no, of the happens time. To me all, more, more often than I like to think about. <laughs> all right. So maybe it's not that crazy, but it didn't make sense to me in the context of this episode. and what these characters were doing, but I guess it's not that crazy. Uh, so Morgan, I mean, he was all over this episode, Jason. Uh, I don't think I have a lot to say about Morgan. Um, there's a couple of things though, his callback to the pilot episode of the walking dead, I thought was awesome when he mentions that somebody, you know, got on a walkie talkie looking for me for as long as he could. Uh, and it didn't work, but, he appreciated that he did it. I liked that. That was, yeah, that was good. It's also nice that uh, Morgan knew that that happened. Because if he hadn't met Rick again a couple of times, he never would have known. That's right. That's right. See how important friends are? Yeah, 
It's a good point. Your friends are important. and sticking- They're more important than a truck. I can tell you that. Uh, you may have a point there. Sticking with people. I mean, that was a theme of this episode. Get back to the people that you you know are comfortable with and and can help you. And and don't lose your truck. Well, secondary theme. Don't lose your truck. Uh, you know, I thought the scene where Morgan was climbing up the water tower was really cool, but I, I suspect that was more of a directorial thing again. You know, a straight down shot of as him of him climbing the ladder, and then the wide shot of of him standing alone on that water tower. I thought was amazing. Really looked yeah. good. That was it was obvious CGI, right? It wasn't just me. I I guess so. Yeah, I just I thought it was a, a good shot. I I don't imagine they actually put Lenny James up on a water tower like that. But no, they wouldn't do that. That'd be stupid. Well, I suppose, yeah. (laughs) The only reason I think that that's stupid is because of the insurance that they would need in order to make that happen. Yeah. Well, he was climbing that ladder with no, nothing around him, right? Or so it seemed. And usually those ladders at least have those, uh, those tubes kind of that the ladder runs up. A cage. A cage. Yeah. I guess the idea is if you fall, you, you won't fall too far away from the ladder and you might have something to grab onto. Yeah, yeah, you'll ping back and forth, back and forth like a like a uh, a pinball. Uh-huh. Ding, 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 ding. Eventually, something uh, appendage wise will get hung up, and uh, and you'll stop or at least slow down a little bit, right? And get a bunch of points because that's what happens in pinball. I mean, that's my understanding of what those cages are for. If there is another purpose, I don't know what it is. Well, they they don't have any other purpose. What other purpose would they have? Well, I don't Make know. You feel better? Maybe. Yeah, sure. Comfort cage. Comfort cage. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed and sleep in my comfort cage tonight, so. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, but, I have to. Uh, right. But the the most important thing in, in this episode, I think, involving Morgan was at the very end when they've reunited with June and Al and they're standing around talking and Morgan at night is standing there at the back of the truck with Al and she mentions... Alexandria, while um, Sarah is within earshot. I thought it was rather interesting that they showed Sarah get out of the front of the truck, walk to the back, sort of go around the two of them, do something at the back door. And just at that moment, Al mentions Alexandria by name, which I don't think Morgan ever did. He always said, we're going back to Virginia, but he didn't, he wasn't specific about exactly where. And... I think now Sarah, and therefore Wendell, knows exactly where the settlement in Virginia is. Oh, the plot thickens. Right. And you know what? Maybe this is nothing. But I don't see why Sarah was in that scene at all if that wasn't the case. So I feel like that's going to be important. And, you know, they want to get there so bad, which is something we've known since last week. But Morgan has been reluctant to take them. Uh, especially once he found out that they were truck thieves and so on and so on. But now they know what the place is called, so they can go there whether he wants to take them or not, most likely. Right. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I feel like that's an important bit. I Maybe, maybe, maybe both. <laughs> you could be a little of each, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Um, all right, then, Jason, really the only other thing in this episode is that we get a little bit more of our mystery villain who has come to be known as the Filthy Woman. Oh, okay. That's a good name. Because she's super dirty. She is super dirty. Yeah. 
And uh, I mean that in the covered in dirt kind of way. What's her deal, do you think? I mean, we, we learned a little bit more about her this episode, but do you got to read on what, what's going on here, what she's trying to do, what her goals are? Nope. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Maybe she's the Joker. Well, so far, so far, that's about all we know. Uh, yeah, she's she seems to be, in a way, one step ahead of everybody, and she's messing with them. For some reason, like there's nothing, I I, I think that uh, it could be completely dumb luck that she's one step ahead of everybody. She doesn't seem to be doing anything that is, uh, you know, Machiavellian and uh, planning to be ahead of everybody for some reason. Oh, but she just seems to be ahead of them for whatever. No, sir. You are, you are incorrect in that. Am I? Yes. So there are two things in this episode that she's doing that gives her the advantage. And I didn't catch the one of them the first time I watched this episode, but I, but I sort of did the first time and I don't think it was that obvious, but it was definitely there. Sorry. I did the second time. I mean, all right, hit me. So number one is, and I think this is stupid, that she seems to be able to listen to all of their conversations on the walkie-talkies. So, right. so she got a magic walkie-talkie that works better than everybody else's. All, okay, got it. Exactly. All of our characters have walkie-talkies that they can't hear each other. The batteries are running out. They're out of range, whatever. Yet she can hear everybody communicating with each other and therefore knows where they are and what they are doing. Um, and she can do things like change the mile marker sign so that, uh, what's his name? Quinn goes to the wrong one and she can have her zombie eat him. Right. Right. Except for, I got a problem with that. Did she change all the mile marker signs? Did he go like five, six, seven, eight, nine, 21? He did. 27. Yeah. Yeah. He even said that. He said, I, he, when he's talking to June on the radio, he says, I'm at 27, but I swear I just passed 20. So she didn't change them all. He's just an well, idiot. So he's just the biggest moron that ever lived. Well, you're looking for mile markers and you just, you notice that it goes from 20 to 27. Like, holy shit, did I fall asleep for six miles? Like, what happened? Um, yeah, you, you wouldn't know that. But I also don't think it's totally outside the realm of possibility that he would at least be confused momentarily, right? He'd get to 20, then the next one would be 27. Because he did say, I could have sworn I just passed 20. So he wasn't sure, right? And I think... It's the only thing that he's supposed to be paying attention to. <laughs> I know, but then you, you get out... one job. and But then you get out and you're like, that was 20. Why is 27 here? This is weird. Like, you're not going to click, put two and two together that quickly. And before he knew it, he was dead. I did. And I would have. Okay, Fair. But the fact that she I'd be can, like, yeah, that's just taped on there. Yeah. Somebody's trying to ambush me here. What the hell's going on? Quick, get back in my truck and go. Yeah, get back in the big steel box that has guns in it mm. uh, right now. Yeah. And then I'll I'll figure it out while sitting in the fortress. Yeah, rather than standing here talking to my new girlfriend on the phone. Yeah. Um, okay, so she can hear everyone's conversation, the filthy woman, so she knows what they're doing and where they are. But she also poisoned the water that Al drank and made her sick. So that was her doing as well. <sighs> the scene where Morgan encounters her on the road. Yeah. They have their extremely weird conversation, in my opinion, um, and not weird in a bad way and not even weird in like a, in a bad writing way. I just mean it was weird. Like she was acting strangely, but it kind of worked within the concept context of the episode. So I was okay with it. But 
as Morgan leaves, we see her filling a water bottle with what looks like some sort of contaminated water. Um, So the implication is that Al picked up some of that water and drank it, and that's what made her sick. My brain recognized that scene and just threw it away. Yeah. Like, I just forgot about it. It's like, I don't need that information. Well, that, apparently. Yeah, that's that's what happened to me the first time I watched it, too. I was like, oh, I think she's just filling water bottles for herself. I mean, you would do that, right? From a bottle. Stupid, but fine. Sure. Well, rainwater's drinkable, generally. So... Well, not in a puddle, because it runs... Like, rainwater doesn't like just fall into that puddle. It falls around and then collects into that puddle. So it drags all that shit that, into that puddle. That it, I know, but in a pinch... If you've just survived a, a hurricane with a lot of rain, there's going to be puddles around, and generally you can drink that without worrying too much, I think, right? Yeah, you're going to get sick, though. Okay, maybe. Maybe if you have a weak constitution. Anyways, I think, or or she was supposed to be poisoning that water, or at least infecting it with something, which uh, may have just been, you know, soaking it in walker guts for a little while, and then Al drank it, and Al became sick. So. Right. The filthy woman is manipulating them in this way, and she's controlling them to a certain degree. So she's this, like, all-hearing and all-seeing supervillain so far that can that can do what she needs to do without anybody knowing so far. All right, so I'm going to call her the Dirty Joker. The Dirty Joker. <laughs> dirty. The she just wants to watch the world burn, and she has uh, mystical powers of knowing what's going to happen and where everybody's going to be yeah. and how to manipulate them into uh, a funny situation. That's also deadly. Well, funny and deadly. Those are, that's a, that's a, a killer combo right there. Yeah. She's the dirty joke. Well, in terms of her motivations, I don't really know, but what I did pick up on in this was Purvis, her first uh, zombie pet who I think it is now confirmed that he was the guy originally leaving the boxes of supplies on the road. Right. Um, and incidentally, I used to own a cat named Purvis, which I think is funny. Is, I thought I recognized that. Yeah. In name. university, I got a cat named Purvis. And then uh, when I came home from university, my it, the cat moved into my mom's house and lived for many years on after yeah. that. Good cat. I met, I met Purvis. You probably did. I did. Good cat. Yeah. Good cat. Um, anyways, she tells Purvis before uh, she lets him go that you made them weak. So that starts to make me think, you know, that she considers these people weak and not worthy of this world or something like that. So she's trying to slowly eliminate them or manipulate them in some kind of way. Uh, and then in, when she when she gets Quinn to become her new zombie pet. Instead of writing, take what you need, leave what you don't on his face, she writes, people you know. So I don't know what that means, but there's probably a way to kind of incorporate that into this whole you made them weak theme as well. And of course, weak is the title of the episode, so it's definitely important. Yeah, well, maybe she's trying to train them. Train them. To be stronger? Stronger? Mm -hmm. Stronger. Stronger. Instead of trying to kill them because they're not worthy, maybe she's trying to make them stronger. Maybe she feels like she has to, uh, you know, make the world better by making people stronger and getting rid of the weakness. Yeah, it it all seems kind of random so far. I don't understand why she is 
tormenting these people from afar. It it doesn't seem to make any sense, but who knows? Who knows? I imagine we're going to slowly find out. She'll she'll probably pop up at the beginning and the end of next week's episode as well, doing something cryptic and strange that we won't understand until later. Well, John Dory's going to sort this shit out. Good God, if anybody can, I hope it's John Dory, yeah. Because yeah. he's Batman. We got Batman and the Dirty Joker. <laughs> that should be a graphic novel right there, Batman and the Dirty Joker. Yep. I think there's something to that. Okay, so overall, I guess there was some stuff in this episode that I liked, but it did feel somewhat random. I didn't understand some of the character decisions, especially with Al. Um, but I guess I could appreciate where June is going and uh, how she's feeling right now. And I guess it all comes down to just wanting to see her get back together with John. And for me, that whole Alexandria line um, that revealed the name of the town to Sarah and Wendell just feels like it's important. Um, but, you know, I could be completely misreading that whole thing. Who knows? We'll see. Something happened in this episode to move the plot forward. That's right. So that makes it a little bit better than the last couple of weeks. No, you're you're right there. I, I think I can get on board with that. You know, I did start to get a feeling about this whole season, though, eh? After watching this one. Oh yeah, what kind of feeling did you get, Chris? Well, let me run this let me break this down for you. I think the showrunners have decided, the new showrunners, because we know they're new, for season four, I think they decided that we want to tell stories with our own characters. However, they were mandated by the higher ups to include Morgan in this season as much as possible. Because Think about it, man. They killed Nick and Madison. They they have introduced June, John Dory, Al, Wendell, Sarah, Jim, uh, and now the filthy woman. They've mostly ignored Strand and Lucy. Mostly, um, uh, well, Alicia got her own episode, I guess, but she's been absent from almost all of the rest of them in the back half. Yep. And... Um, and I guess all this could change by the time we're at episode 16, we could have all these characters reintroduced and, and, you know, brought back into the story. But when you just look at the number of characters new that they've introduced and the fact that they killed the two, you know, unarguably primary characters on this show in Nick and Madison, I just feel like they've decided that this is what we want to do. But Scott Gimple and, or whoever else up top said, you can do that fine, but you have to include Morgan because Morgan has been all over this season. He's been super all over this. Right? So I don't even know what I'm trying to say here, but I just feel like that's what's going on. And it may be part of the reason that people are having such a hard time latching on to this season four. And it's especially so, it's been especially evident in the second half. So you think they're trying to turn this show into a different show without spinning off the show? Like creating a new spinoff. That's kind of what they're doing, I think. It it feels like an entirely different show, and I kind of expected that, but I, I expected it with at least the familiar characters, and we've moved away from most of them at this point. We have. You know? So that's that. You know, I also have a theory about um, the just overall Walking Dead universe, and that maybe they are, in fact, going to move... The, some of the characters from this show to back over to the walking dead, including Morgan 
and whoever else is still alive and then shut this show down, sort of merge it into the main show and then start yet another spinoff. Because we've been told that they're working on other spinoffs or other TV properties in the Walking Dead universe. But so far, Fear the Walking Dead isn't going so well, especially lately. So I think maybe they're like, all right, we got to cut our losses with this, but we have some good characters. So let's send Morgan over. He'll bring a few back. We'll we'll merge them into the main show. And then we're going to start fresh with a new Walking Dead spinoff show. They better not call it Fear the Walking Dead then. No, they're going to have to come up with a different name. It'll be... You're going to call it Afraid of the Walking Dead. Exactly. Something like that. So we know it's different. Despise the Walking Dead? You know? Despair of the Walking Dead? <laughs> There's lots of options here, but I don't know why I feel this way. I Maybe it's an unlikely scenario, but something about this just feels like that's where it's going. Like That'd be crazy. And just from a logistics point of view, I think it'd be awesome. Well, like we have the show spins off and then uh, kind of merges with the with the original show. And then we have characters back and forth. It'd be confusing as hell for people uh, that, you know, 10 years down the road going, what do I, what show do I want to watch? Where do I start? How do I start? I have the same problem with fucking Star Wars novels right now. I don't know where to start. I want to start listening or reading Star Wars novels. I don't know where to start. Yeah, well, it's... They've rebooted the whole freaking universe. Where do I start? Sure. That's a pretty big question. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, but even Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, it's like, which order do you have to watch these in? And there's been 20 of them now. I've okay, seen them all. you start all. off with Iron Man, and then you watch The Incredible Hulk, and then Iron Man 2, and then Thor, and then Iron Man 3. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Apparently you do. <laughs> but I think for the, um, you know, maybe the casual viewer... It would be rather right. daunting to be like, what the hell? How do I follow these through in the right order? And you're right. right. If they do this with The Walking Dead, it could be confusing if somewhere down the road you want to start watching and then watch things, you know, as you're supposed to. But yeah, you can skip The Incredible Hulk if you really needed to, because that's Ed Norton. It's not uh, it, it is in the in the MCU, but it's not strictly speaking part of it. Right. So you could you could skip that one. Okay. Well, fair enough. Uh, you'll you should write an article someday about watching the MCU movies in order. No, you just you get all the movies in a friggin' list, and then you what or go to Wikipedia. They have a, it tells you go by it release date. Anyway, go by release date. Yeah. Anyhow, um, that's sort of a tangent. I was just thinking about this season in general and and where they're going. That being said, Fear the Walking Dead has been renewed for season five. So if they're going to pull off this. This merger, it's going to happen not this year, but probably at the end of season five. Well, maybe season five is is like, season ten of The Walking Dead. Maybe it's the same thing. Well, it could be, actually. I mean, <laughs> that would be bonkers. Like, renew it for, quote-unquote, season five. But, yeah, we it doesn't premiere until, until season nine of Walking Dead is done. So, that would be something. Yeah. That yeah, this this uh, this show is both of those things. Season five of this show and season ten of this other show. It's the same show, but it's both. Can you imagine if they actually did that and and they were still somewhat separate? Like we saw the two different groups or storylines or whatever happening in different places, and slowly they merged somehow, but they aired as as one almost. That's bonkers. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty bonkers. It'd be pretty confusing too. It would. Anyhow, let's take a short break. Sure. And come back after this with some listener feedback. So 
Stay with us. Listener feedback. Listener feedback. So we've got mostly feedback about this episode this week, and uh, we're going to start with a short one here from Daniel on our Facebook page. Daniel writes, Beer and the Walking Coincidences. That's sort of him summing up this episode. Uh, Jim was, of course, still there. Uh, Is his name Jim? Yeah, his name's Jim, the beer guy. Jimbo. Jimbo. And he offered Morgan a beer, and Morgan accepted it. And That's then good. didn't get a chance to drink it before June and Al showed up. Well, yeah. He, the only problem I had with that is that Lenny James is a Brit and he wouldn't drink an American beer. <laughs> maybe a craft beer. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> that's that's funny. What do you know about drinking beer? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. I know that uh, I've, I've had beer in Canada. I've had beer in the States and you can have really crappy beer in both places. You sure can. Also good. Uh, Chris in Toronto writes, Al said that she had some videos left in the van. She was willing to risk their lives to get the van back. If those tapes are so important to her, then why did she leave them behind in the van with the key in the ignition to begin with? Silly plot line. Yeah, protect your porn. If you're going to have tapes that you need to, you know, not leave behind, uh, especially in the zombie apocalypse, I'm sure your porn collection is very important. Uh-huh. You don't leave it behind or you digitize it and you put it on a media piece of media that you can put in your pocket. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They were, they were not forced, um, in under any kind of duress to leave the truck. They just left, but she left her camera and her tapes there, like her most important things. I mean, I guess you only take what you can carry, but it doesn't. It doesn't make sense for her to leave that stuff there. And then, of course, the whole keys in the ignition thing was sort of stupid, too. You know, they couldn't find any diesel for the truck. But Quinn comes along two seconds later. And like, what was he carrying a tank of diesel on his back? And he poured it in and was able to go like it again felt convenient that he was able to start up that truck and drive it for who knows how far, 20 miles and then run out of gas again. I it's it's all just sort of goofy and convenient. Yep. Yeah. If you want somebody to not steal your vehicle, lock it, take your keys. Plain it's and simple. It's a fucking tank. Nobody's going to break in. No, it'd be pretty tough. I mean, you, you, it wouldn't be worth the effort, right? I don't think. Well, uh, depending on whether or not you had a, uh, whatever cutting tool that can cut through solid sheets of steel. I don't know what that would be. Some kind of, flame well i mean it has windows it, i'm sure the glass is hard to break but it might be easier to cut break the glass of the windows oh, i go through the steel before i go through the glass really yeah with the steel at least you can uh you can get uh like a welder or not a welder but there's got to be some kind of 
a couple of tanks and a hose and a flame that you could cut through the steel. But the glass would be even harder. You're not going to break that with a sledgehammer. Well, no way. Okay. I don't know. I'd probably try breaking the glass, but I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but yes, she left the keys in it. She left her most important possession there. You know, again, all very convenient so that she can send June later to retrieve stuff. But what are you going to do? Uh, Anne went in New Zealand wrote, I'm still interested in the show, but constantly annoyed by the dumb decisions. Why did I leave her radio so far away? Why didn't June stab the swamp zombie just in case before she left? I am enjoying Wendell and Sarah. They're pretty fun. And I thought the acting from Jenna Elfman and Maggie Grace was good. Uh, I would agree with that. You know, Jenna Elfman and Maggie Grace did, did a fine job in this episode. Uh, yeah. May not be the greatest acting I've ever seen, but it was really solid and I never questioned it. Super. Good. Uh, now, Chris in the UK, he sent us an email that is a bit of a play-by-play for the episode. I think he was writing this email while he was watching it. So there's a lot of information here, but um, I, I enjoyed a lot of it. So I'm going to read a bunch of it here. Chris writes, Week is a brave episode title. It's just begging for a pithy, dismissive review. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? And there were plenty of those out there that I saw. He goes on, It looks like we're seeing the aftermath of the storm again, rather than the storm. If that holds... Again, my first thought was, how typical for fear. They set us to believe we're going to see how everything goes to hell, and they skip that bit and show us more aftermath, which we talked yep. about off the top and annoyed both of us. Yep. He says, I've just seen that we get the episode title from that woman from the end of last week. For the record, poisoning fresh water just to make other people's lives shittier is, for me, the definition of weak. Strong people don't feel that they have to wreck things for everyone else to save themselves. Strong people are comfortable with other people doing okay because they know that doesn't threaten them. I'm not saying this is a problem with the episode or the writing. I just think the character is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> don't agree with the character. That's fine. Uh, just watching Al struggle to change the tire. If she drops the car on this walker, I'm done. Well, looks like I'm done. Eh, except not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, uh, you know, your your mouth shouldn't write checks to your ass can't cash. Is that the way that goes? Yeah, that's what Maverick said, I think. Or Goo, or uh, who, uh, Mr. Oh my God, what was the other guy in Top Gun? Iceman, uh, Iceman. Maverick and Iceman and... Uh, and Goose. And, and Goose, that's it. The guy that died. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, one of them said, your body's writing checks, your ego can't cash. Or shit. Yeah, something like that. Your ego's writing checks, your body can't? I don't know. One of Who those the things. hell knows? Yeah. But yeah, if, uh, if you're going to make a statement like that, you got to be prepared to follow through. There you go. Uh, he goes on. You're lucky there was augmenting on that bus. That's the quote from the episode. Uh, yes, isn't she, though? In that one line of dialogue, we're supposed to be okay that this whole first 20 minutes has been a little pointless. I am not okay with it. <laughs> and that was because Al sent June for the medicine that didn't exist, and then that forced her to go through that whole episode with Quinn and so on. And then she comes back and it's like, yeah, I found you your medicine anyways. It was on the bus. You're just lucky. And that's just... Again, yeah. she just needed that medicine because Al was sick. Al was sick, so she could go get that medicine. And that's kind of lame writing, in my opinion. Yep. 
Uh, finally, Chris writes, uh, now we have walkie talkie batteries that do dramatic irony. C- come on, fear writers. Can't you guys brainstorm a little? You don't have to always go with the first idea. Starting to think the writer, the, the motto in the writer's room is fuck it. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's my motto. <laughs> That's your, just I mean, your... look at the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Okay, then. We'll just leave that the way it is. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Dawn in Wisconsin writes, I really liked how this episode moved the story along. A little too much monologuing on the radio, but it reunited some of our group and revealed more about the new antagonist. She is serial killer level evil. Having her poison the water was a nice twist and reintroduces illness as a threat to our survivors that we haven't seen since season three of the main show. They made a point of showing Al drinking from a water bottle in the opening monologue, but June drank from a canteen. Al's speedy recovery after taking a couple of pills was silly. Would an antibiotic like Cipro even work on a waterborne illness or toxin? Who knows? But we know people bounce back to good health very fast in this universe, so I'm willing to suspend disbelief. Right. People get sick and healthy very quickly. Uh, Their bones are very soft. That's right. Their bones are very soft. So, uh, yeah, um, that's all very true. Don, I guess it moved the story along a little bit. Too much monologuing on the radio. And the whole illness thing, I think, was silly. But I do think it's a nice touch that he points out that Al drank from a water bottle in, at the beginning and June drank from a canteen. I guess they're paying yep. attention to something. Good catch. Yeah, good catch. All right, we've got a call from uh, our friend Designer Will. Hey, guys, Designer Will with some feedback for the latest episode of Fear the Walking Dead Season 4. This episode was weak. Weak! both in title and in contents. Unfortunately, I almost don't care about this show anymore, which is sad because I think at one point it was stronger than um, the main show uh, for a while there, but um, that moment is long gone. We have characters that are so disjointed, a story that is so disjointed, as viewers, we don't even know what direction our characters are trying to go in. No one has a goal. No one has a purpose. Um, it's just a bunch of... Ah, I don't know. I'm sorry. I really want to be positive. I really want to like this show. They've shown that they can do good, but I think they have just screwed it up here. I think they've just torn the cast apart, scattered them about too much, and um, I just think there's... It shouldn't feel like a chore. Like I've, I've struggled to find time or make time to watch the last two or three episodes of this show, and unless something crazy changes drastically, um, unfortunately, I might not pay for the next season of Fear. And while I know they have renewed Fear for a season five, I don't know. I'm going to be a little bit surprised if. Uh, it makes it to season six at this point. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks, Will. Well, we've already, or at least I've already laid out my uh, theory on where we're going after season five. So you might not need to worry about uh, season five of or six of this show uh, because it'll be merged with the main one. But um, it's too bad that uh, it's such a chore to watch. But, you know, I am 
totally understanding where you're coming from, Designer Will. Yeah, it's tough sometimes, but uh, stick with it. We can be a support group. Uh, so, uh, you know, keep keep plugging away there and watching the episodes like we do. Keep plugging away, yeah. Uh, all right, one final call here. This comes from Grady. Hey, guys, it's Grady from Houston. Been listening for several years now. Really, really enjoy the podcast. Being from Houston, I just couldn't let this one slide. The uh, latest episode of Fear, uh, right after the hurricane, uh, Jenna Elfman opens the door, and it is bone dry. I can assure you with certainty that no matter what kind of hurricane, Category 1, Category 5, it would not be bone dry. That is impossible. Keep up the good work. Uh, love to hear your take on the bone dry conditions of a post-hurricane next day situation. Thanks. Bye now. Thanks, Grady. You know, I didn't really think of that when she, at the beginning, she comes outside and there's debris strewn everywhere and it looks like all the trees and stuff are broken and stuff. Uh, that all makes sense for a post-massive hurricane. Yep. But yeah, no water anywhere. It wouldn't disappear that quickly. Well, it could have been a week, right? I mean, you, you let a week go by, you know, in this day and age when there's a hurricane and a week goes by, people tend to tidy up within that week a little bit or mm -hmm. start to start to clean up and rebuild process. That's not going to happen in the zombie apocalypse. If you sit there for a week, it's going to dry out, but all the debris is still just going to be there. What are they going to do? Clean up their yard? They're yeah. not going to do that. What's the way, what? They're just going to sit there like a bunch of idiots. Yeah, I suppose. It could have been, uh, some time could have passed, I suppose. Uh, I mean, if we think about it, Morgan drove to Mississippi and back um, in that time. So it has probably been at least a few days, right? And therefore, we pick up with Al and and June after a few days, they've already been there a while. They've started to run out of supplies. So maybe the water has dried up and it is that dry. So I think that's our explanation, that it's been a few days and the water's gone. Therefore, it's dry out. Yeah, but if it was the next day, yeah, I call it complete horseshit bullshit. Uh, <laughs> it's both. You know, really, it's that big of a situation where uh, it definitely would be wet. Yeah, it would. The rain stops and like the first thing you're going to do is like step outside and like survey the area. It would still be dripping wet everywhere. But I think if a few days have gone by, maybe that's what's going on. And if we consider the fact that Morgan went all the way to Mississippi and back, um, yeah, that could be it. So yep. there you go. Explanation. Hopefully that satisfies you, Grady. But thank you for giving us a call. All right, that's the feedback for this week, and that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about episode 13, which is called Blackjack. Blackjack. And we know that that is a reference to John Dory uh, talking about Blackjack. He mentioned that on the tape that June was watching of him in this episode, so... Uh, John Dory's coming back next week, Jason. I'm excited about that. Me too. Finally. Finally, exactly. And he'll be hanging out with Strand. I assume Morgan will be in there influencing things somehow and because he has to be. And, uh, we've also got the filthy woman playing games with everyone. Right. Filthy Joker. Filthy Joker. Sorry. So that's that. If you'd like to do a title read for next week's episode, by all means, record 
yourself reading the title blackjack and send it in to us i will be happy to play as many as i can on the podcast next monday um but until then you can get in touch with us by visiting us on facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead tweet us talking or at talking dead on twitter uh, visit our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com, and click on the send voicemail button up at the top to send us a message. Or, of course, you can just send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Those are all the ways to contact us uh, as usual, and that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason, party people. Thanks for listening. Bye. Listen, the one decision she did make, I don't understand. What you want. I'll do my best to help. Stupid Google. <laughs> I like to think I'm a work in progress. You can help me by sending feedback. <laughs> you Before said stupid go, Google and she responded. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm not that bad. You shouldn't hate me that much. <laughs> Unplugged it. <laughs> um, that's, my, that's my favorite part of this episode alright great well, somehow I'll find a way to leave that in <laughs> okay um, the one decision Al made later on in this episode I don't understand